Welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy Jalen. And for my YouTube uh, listeners and viewers, welcome. As you see, this is the new set. Uh, you know, I got, I mean, y'all can see it. I got DC in the back, AI in the back. Those will change every episode. I put some different jerseys. I got a lot of jerseys, but I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. This is, again, the Unpopular Podcast with your boy Jalen. And we're two games down in the NBA Finals. And one, I want to put the rest. No, Golden State is not better than... I mean, Golden State is not better when Kevin Durant doesn't play. That That is something that we can just... We can just uh, throw away right now. It is the the series is tied one one. Um, Golden State's been struggling. Klay Thompson got hurt yesterday. Um, Andre Gudala got hurt. He, even though he did hit the dagger, he got hurt. Uh, they said Curry wasn't wasn't feeling well. They need they need Durant. And honestly, if you really looked at the game yesterday. Toronto could have won. Toronto missed a lot of shots, missed a lot of wide open shots. They turned the ball over, and you're in the NBA Finals, and you're giving up a 20-0 run. That is unacceptable. That is crazy. But it's 1-1. Toronto pretty much lost home court, but they can get home court back with a win. And they're saying that KD is supposed to be back either game three or game four. I would say game four. But the real question now is, how is Klay Thompson going to do? Klay Thompson came down hella wrong, and it looked like he injured his hamstring. They are saying it's a hamstring injury. He pulled his hamstring, is what they're saying. This is, that's a game changer. I don't see Quinn Cook stepping up, you know, not, and, and nothing against Quinn Cook at all. But it's Quinn Cook. <laughs> Quinn Cook is not, is not Klay Thompson. Not defensively. And Klay Thompson, quiet is kept. Klay Thompson scored their first like nine out of 11 points. He was hooping. It, it, game two was a crazy game. Game two was a crazy game. Game one was a crazy game. Pascal Siakam dropping 32 points, making Draymond Green look, look crazy. It, it, it was funny how when I was watching, I said, yo, Draymond Green getting, killed was it was it was it was out of this world how bad he was looking but it is tied it is tied 1-1 i said going into the series it would be games that golden state's gonna win in six and it's it what what this what this nba finals has shown one i'm surprised i'm not really surprised but i like how this is the toughest team Golden State has ever played in the finals. Yes, we can talk about the, you know, the goat, um, the Cavs back in 2016 coming back from 3-1 with LeBron. But outside of LeBron, Kyrie, and Klay Thompson, I mean, uh, Kevin Love, they don't really have much help. This team, and I say it's the toughest for a couple reasons. One, because of the injuries that Golden State's dealing with. Right now, like I said, you have KD, Klay Thompson, Andre Gudala's uh, dealing with a thigh injury. You have all these factors 
and and Golden State, quasi is kept, has always been the the healthier team. I believe game in 2016 they lost because a couple reasons. One, Draymond Green got suspended in game six or game five, I believe, one of those two. He got suspended. And Quasis kept when Draymond Green came back, Bogut got hurt. And once you saw Bogut, you know, once Bogut was gone, you saw the Cavs just kept going to the rim, just going, going, going. And it wore Golden State down. So, and that's what you're seeing now. You're seeing injury on top of injury on top of injury. Not to mention, the Raptors is, the, is a long team. Length is a real thing. And the Raptors are long. You have Kyle Lowry, who's not that. Well, his wingspan is like, I believe, 6'4", 6'5". Danny Green, 6'9", 6'10", wingspan. You have Pascal Siakam, 7-foot wingspan. You have Kyrie, uh, Kawhi Leonard, 7-foot wingspan. Marcus Saul's huge. This is a long team. Not to mention, coming off the bench, you have Fred Van Vliet. While he's not long... He's a scrappy defender, and we've seen that in the first two games against Curry. In fact, we've seen that the whole season. He's a scrappy defender. You have Norman Powell, who's a solid defender. It's just you you have a lot of a lot of long defenders and a lot of long players. Not to mention you have Kawhi Leonard. Not saying Kawhi Leonard is better than LeBron James. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is Kawhi Leonard is tough. And Kawhi Leonard is a serious factor as to why Golden State is struggling as much as they're struggling. Kawhi Leonard, while he was a little tamed game one, I think he had like 23 points. He also, he did drop, what, 32, 34 this game. And defensively, he's been, he's been crazy. He, he's been Kawhi Leonard. So there's a lot of factors why I think this Toronto Raptors team is the toughest that Golden State has played. Uh, it's a little bit of Golden State and a little bit, of course, Toronto. But we've seen the first two games, Golden State has had to adjust. You don't, you really, you really hear teams. What you hear is teams had to adjust to Golden State. Golden State had to adjust to the Raptors' length. Had to adjust to you let Pascal Siakam go off. I think the I think last night he had about I don't know sixteen points, maybe maybe eleven. Kyle Lowry fouled out. It Golden State had to adjust to them, and we've seen it, and it's 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 worked. At least the second game, the first game they could have won. It's just you're off nine days, and you're in Canada, which is a raucous crowd. They're coming off of one of the biggest series, well, the first time being in the NBA Finals, so adrenaline is rushing on everyone in on Toronto. So I understand them. Winning game one. Not to mention, they didn't do- They didn't dominate game one as much as it. Well, they dominated game one, but Golden State had its shot. It was like they couldn't get over the hump. They would cut it to five. They'd cut it to seven. They'd cut it to to six, but they couldn't get over that hump. I remember one play. It was a five point game. Quinn Cook had a wide, and this is game one. Quinn Cook had a wide open shot. He missed. They come down, Pascal Siakam lays the ball up. Five-point swing. So you saw that a lot in game one. And in game two, Golden State went on a 20-0 run. 
Cohen starting the third. And they were even, they were st- it looked like they were getting dominated the first half. They were down 12 points. Came back and came back, like I said, 20 0 run. Demarcus Cousins played great. He had 11 points, 10 rebounds. I think he had six assists. Golden State played a complete game. Golden State played the game they needed to play. They needed this and they needed. I, I don't see. I couldn't see them going back to Golden State down to 0 2 and feeling like, all right, we're, you know, we're good. You know, Golden State has this aura where they don't worry about nothing, which they really don't have to, seeing as though they've been to the finals, what, this is their fifth straight time? The thing is, they've never been down. First, This is the first time they've ever been down in the finals. This is the first time, except for, of course, 4-1, 4-3. But this is the first time, or this would have been the first time they've been down 2-0. And I don't, that that's some uncharted territory. So, Golden State did his thing. Hold, hold on, guys. So, Golden State did his thing. Golden State did exactly what they needed to do. And I feel a little more more secure now that um I'm not, I mean I say I feel secure, but I'm not fucking playing. I I feel better. St- as my golden sticks and golden state and six now seeing as though it's tied up than I would have been if they would have lost because it's as hard for me seeing golden state beat Toronto four straight times after Toronto's up zero two zero I can see them win four straight times now that that could have been a debilitating loss it's it was crazy it was crazy it was crazy but Again, I, I expect I expect a great atmosphere in Game Three. I expect Golden State to win Game Three. Getting ready for KD to come back Game Four, but I think Game Three really depends on Clay Thompson. The report came out saying he's expecting to play, but they said he pulled his hamstring. Remember last time somebody pulled his hamstring, <coughs> Chris Paul. We'll see how that goes. I'm not wishing that upon him, of course, but we'll see. We'll see. Game Game Two was good. Game this is this is a good series. I think what what the what the NBA feared and what the NBA doesn't want and what fans feared was they didn't want a finals like last year. Last year was a sweep. Last year it could have been, I believe, if they would have won Game One because LeBron had 53. If they wouldn't won game one, I believe it would have been a 4-1 series. But it really wasn't competitive. It was LeBron against Golden State. It really wasn't Cleveland against Golden State. That's the last thing the NBA wanted again. And this is this has been a great series. Game one was great for all the reasons of, you know, Toronto, first time in the playoffs. Pascal Siakam game, Fred Van Vliet hitting off balance, one foot long twos. Game two, you know, Golden State going on twenty zero run. Clay Thompson getting hurt. We'll see how he goes. I think reports are coming now. This I'm recording this early Monday morning, so we're still waiting for. Last time I got we we had a update. He was expecting to play, so we'll see how it goes. Um. Yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just excited. I'm just 
I'm just excited. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And speaking of speaking of see how it goes, let me let me transition. Did y'all see the Anthony Joshua fight? <laughs> Man, look. First of all, let me shout out to Andy Ruiz Ruiz Jr. Hispanic butter butterbean. <laughs> he look. All jokes aside, man. That is why th- th- that fight is exactly why I think you, one. It's not more than I think. You just don't overlook your opponent. You never overlook your opponent. What we saw was Anthony Joshua going on almost every ESPN show saying, you know, I, I got to get this fight out the way. Then we'll worry about Wilder. Then we're worried about Tyson Fury. Oh, he, he kept saying after this fight, after this fight, which made it seem like he was just, he was, he was overlooking the fight. And and to be completely honest, everyone was over, out overlooking this fight. I mean, Andy Ruiz Jr., he is shorter than Joshua. While he's bigger, he's fat. It's not like his his weight. I mean, it's not like he's swole. He's fat. It's kind of like, and and I'm not I'm not comparing Anthony Joshua to Mike Tyson, but what I am comparing is the upset for Tyson and Douglas. Everybody, I don't think there was one person outside of Ruiz's camp that expected Ruiz to win. And I know a lot of people were saying, which which kind of kind of showed. Anthony Joshua hasn't really isn't a isn't a long well. It seems that Anthony Joshua isn't a long term fighter. When I say long term, I mean he doesn't go. He's not a fighter that you can continue to go into rounds. And and you saw after round three, I believe after round three he gave it all he had. Round three is when it really turned. I think that's when he hit the canvas twice, and. Ruiz, while he's big, he's still strong. And Anthony Joshua was just going at him, at him, until round three. Then it looked like he got tired. It looked like, honestly, he was disinterested. But when I, I don't think it was disinterested. You know, he was being disinterested. I just think he was tired. And Ruiz lit his ass up. It's, you know, it's funny. It's funny when I look at stuff like that and when I when I look at fights like that. I'm not a huge boxing fan cuz I think it's boring at times. But that was a that that fight was good as a sense of you look up round 3. Anthony Joshua hits the canvas twice and you're like, "Yo, how does Ruiz in this fight?" And then you look at round 4 and 5, it's like, "Wait. Ruiz is winning this fight." And then the TKO in uh in round seven was like, wow, this is what just happened. The whole Twitter just went crazy. Twitter went wild. And rightfully so. I didn't expect it to I didn't expect nobody expected it. I think that was Anthony Joshua's first loss. So it makes you it makes you really wonder, like if you lose to someone like Ruiz, how are you going to do fair against someone like Wilder or someone like Tyson Fury? It just makes you think. It really makes you think because I don't see 
I don't you. It's not like Ruiz is a technical fighter. He's not. He was just he's strong. And one thing that we saw and we've known about Dante Wilder is he's not a technical fighter at all either. But he is strong as hell. You saw his last fight knock Tommy out in like two minutes. Tyson, while he's strong, he's more of a technical fighter. So maybe Anthony Joshua was just looking past this fight, which I probably think it was. Not to mention, once you get out the third round going on, it's just he he, he got tired and Ruiz just lit it to him. And, and again, I'm not taking anything from the Ruiz. That was a quality win. He won fair and square. Shouts out to Anthony Ruiz, or Andy Ruiz Jr. for being a heavyweight champion. I think he won like three belts that night. So, you know, it was just, it was a shocking. It was now I see maybe it's not to the same level or same extent, but now I see how they felt with Douglas and Tyson cuz nobody gave Douglas a shot. Nobody gave Ruiz a shot. We sit here today, and at the end of that fight, Douglas had the uh, belt in his hand and Ruiz. And do I think that this is a blemish on Anthony Joshua's legacy? I think it it really depends. And I think when we look at stuff like it's kind of like the uh, it's kind of like the James Harden Rockets argument. Anthony Joshua, this is his first loss. I think his legacy will really take a hit if this this is this is something that continues. Do I think he's going to lose the next three out of five? No. Do I think he's going to lose again? Maybe. I think it depends because you Anthony Ruiz or I'm why do I keep saying Anthony? Andy Ruiz to me is nowhere close to the level of fighter that Tyson Fury is or that Dante Wilder is, and the fact that you lose to an Andy Ruiz Jr really could maybe it's just all right he just lost everyone loses i mean virginia lost to umbc the first one seed losing to a 16 seed last year to come back this year and win the final i mean win the championship national championship so it really depends on what happens next if now he if he goes and loses to wilder or loses to tyson fury you're like, ah, well, maybe, you know, who was he really fighting? Or even if he loses to a person on the same level as Andy uh, Andy Ruiz. Because, again, he should have beat Andy Ruiz. If he loses to somebody like that again, then you start looking like, <laughs> what's going on, bro? What is going on? So, may, may I think asterisks really come, you know, after, after what, what the initial punch. I feel, yes, Virginia lost to a 16 seed as being a one seed last year, but how they, they took that punch and they got up and won the national championship. I think that, and when we're, I was talking about the legacy of James Harden a couple episodes ago. The reason why I feel his legacy is taking a big has taken a big hit, especially this year, is because this is a recurring thing. James Harden, something about the playoffs that just doesn't click. 
as in in some of the biggest moments, he comes up so short. You remember Rockets again, or first of all, you remember when he played for OKC in the in the NBA Finals, which we'll talk about a little later. He came up short in the finals. Now, yes, he was young. I think he was like maybe 23, 22 at the time. But he still came up short. Then you look Rockets against the, uh, against the Spurs with Kawhi Leonard out. And the Spurs still beat them. Then you look Rockets against Golden State. You you fight to get number one home court advantage. Yes, Chris Paul goes out, but that's when you step up, especially when you have game six and game seven. So you have two games to finish them off. You lose both. You lose both. Not to mention, in game seven, you help your team go 0 for like 23. They missed like 23, 24 straight threes this year. KD's out. And you lose game six. You don't even make it to a game seven. That's why I think it's not just one thing that blimit, like tarnishes James Harden's legacy. James Harden's still going to be a great player. And he still is a great player. He'll still go down as one of the best offensive players in the league ever. But there will always be an asterisk because of his playoff success. Now, all this could be a race. It's not going to be a race, but all this could be forgotten and forgiven if he wins a championship. But it's kind of hard for me to see that, especially with what's going on. So we'll, we'll have to see. But it, again, it's, it's tough. It's tough to really see, especially with the landscape of the NBA, them really winning an NBA championship. But I don't know. It could be could definitely be and that goes back to anthony joshua this could be a legacy hindering loss it's definitely gonna, we're definitely gonna look at it sideways like whoa you lost to andy ruiz but i think it really matters after what happens now if he goes and rattles off 10 straight wins we're we're not gonna think about this anymore it's like oh well that was just a blemish but it is what it is if if then because remember a lot of the reports and a lot of things that are coming out of Wilder's camp was saying that he's ducking Wilder. So imagine if you get Wilder and you now you lose. So, it, again, it, we have to see going forward how this goes. Speaking of going forward and speaking of the Rockets, there was a report came out saying that Daryl Morris pretty much putting everybody on the trade block. While I definitely don't see James Harden getting traded, you need to come. You, I don't know how you'll do it, and I don't know how they will do it, but they need to get off of that. They need to get off of that um, Chris Paul contract. Again, Chris Paul, it, it's tough because... It's crazy how Chris Paul the, the the decline of Chris Paul. It It's tough because 
when you look at Chris Paul, one Chris Paul has always dealt, always dealt with um, injury. In some of the biggest moments, it's it's been definitely, it's been recorded that you know with either hamstring or knees or shoulder injury or breaking his hand. Chris Paul always deals with an injury. Um, and in big moments, and it's tough because you even saw this year. And you even kind of saw last year that it's James Harden is a ball dominant player. When James Harden has the ball, we've seen and and it's been a laughing a running joke for a while. You know, he dribbles the ball a lot. He dribbles the ball a lot. He waits until the shot clock gets to like maybe six, seven seconds. Then he goes. More than likely trying to draw the foul. And that's that's his offense. Now, while that offense hasn't been successful in the playoffs, that offense has been successful for James Harden. That offense isn't really successful for another ball-dominant guard like Chris Paul. Chris Paul has always had the ball in his hand. Or any and he's used to orchestrating and operating the offense. When you have someone like James Harden, you're not gonna do that a lot. Or at least you shouldn't do that a lot because it's James Harden. Now it's tough playing with at, at that point you become a okay. It, they say it's going to be your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. That doesn't work in the NBA. There's this thing called rhythm. Not even just NBA. In basketball, there's this thing called rhythm. You keep going back and forth. With, okay, who's going to initiate the offense? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? That that can break a player's rhythm. And one thing that James Harden thrives at is rhythm. Once his rhythm, once he's hot, it's a wrap. You've seen a couple 50-point games, a couple 60-point games this year. When once you're in that rhythm, once you're in that groove, it's non. You're not stopping them. It's easier to take a player out of the rhythm when you have one player wait. You know when you have two guards, pretty much. Okay, who's gonna take the ball up? Who's gonna initiate the offense? Who's gonna do this? Who's gonna do that? That's why Golden State is so good. While you have. A player like Clay Thompson who can go off for 60, who can go off for 50, he knows his role. You know that you're going to die with Curry being Curry. He, Clay Thompson knows that he is an offensive juggernaut, but he knows his role. Klay Thompson, you don't expect Klay Thompson, except for when Curry and maybe Draymond Green's on the bench, you don't expect for Klay Thompson to try to initiate the offense because he doesn't need to. That's not his role. You know that's Curry's role. You know that's Draymond Green's role. And even when he's healthy, you know that's KD's role. You don't know that with Houston because Chris Paul has never played in a position to, uh, in the position as, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm going to let James Harden cook. It might work for a game or two, or it might work in the regular season, but once it comes down to crunch time in the playoffs, the best players want to perform. And Chris Paul 
as you've seen, and, and there was reports that there was a scuffle. Now, of course, the players have a verbal scuffle. The players of the Rockets have denied it, but it's kind of hard for me not to believe that story because we saw, we saw how inept the Houston Rockets looked, especially in Game Six, and we even saw verbal verbal altercations in during the game with Chris Paul and James Harden. I can only imagine how it was in the locker room once they realized, oh shit, we lost. Houston, Houston has hit the panic button. They fired pretty much everybody on Mike D'Antoni's coaching staff. Uh, they've they've pretty much said everybody's on the trade block. I don't. I that really to me is saying that they're trying desperately to get off of Chris Paul's contract. Chris Paul. You'll be paying a 30, 30 what, 35-year-old, like, $41 million. <laughs> you know, they talk about John Wall having probably the most untradeable contract in the league. I would throw in Chris Paul's as a, as a, as a close second. That's nothing against Chris Paul's legacy, but Chris Paul, I'm just keeping it real with you, man. Chris Paul is not a top five guard in the league anymore. Top 10, maybe, but not top five. And that's top two, top three money that he's making. So unless it's going to be a, a, a trash team like the Hawks or Memphis or somebody that, or the Bulls that, you know, maybe the Lakers that want to just don't, don't mind eating that contract. It's, it's really tough for me seeing Chris Paul getting traded, which means that the only person that the sword probably will fall on is Clint Capella. Clint Capella played like straight garbage in the playoffs against Golden State. And it's funny because he was the most vocal about, yeah, we want to see Golden State. The most vocal is the one that's getting his ass beat the most. They, they, Golden State took him out the series. Golden State, Clint Capella was huge last year. This year, he was a no-show. And that that to me was really what did Houston in the fact that you you didn't make it, they didn't make any adjustments which I don't really expect them to since knowing a Mike D'Antoni team you don't really see him you don't really expect them to make adjustments too much and Clint Capella didn't do anything. Clint Capella didn't make anybody work. Clint Capella didn't make any any didn't make Golden State have to make any adjustments. Clint Capella didn't make Golden State have to play it big. They didn't do anything. Remember, Demarcus Cousins still wasn't playing either, and Clint Capella did absolutely nothing. So that who I, I think Clint Capella is probably gone. Eric Gordon probably might be gone. 
Houston, Houston's in a t- in a tough place. But a lot of people are saying maybe you should stay put. Maybe if Kevin Durant leaves, you're right there. No, because you also got to think everybody's a year older. Chris Paul's older. James Harden's older. All of them's going to be a year older. And as we saw in Game Six, Clay Tom. I mean, uh, Golden State's still good, and Golden State. Even without Kevin Durant, is better than the Houston Rockets. All I'm saying is, you got some decisions to make. You got some decisions to make, and we'll definitely see if they can, if they can, and will make those decisions. I don't, you know, I don't. You fire your whole coaching staff. I think Mike D'Antoni might be gone. I, I think he should be gone because we've clearly seen his his philosophy doesn't work in the playoffs. And it's not just with the with the Rockets. It didn't work with the Phoenix Suns, who had Amari Sotomayor, who had Steve Nash, who had Sean Marion. It didn't work with the Nuggets, who had Carmelo Anthony, who had the Nuggets. I'm sorry, the Knicks, who had Carmelo Anthony, who had... Amari Stoudemire, who had J.R. Smith when he was six man of the year, J.R. Smith. You've seen, you saw it with the, it didn't work with the Lakers. It didn't work with the Lakers at all. So it's just, yeah, at, this, at some point you have to look at, okay, he's had all these great players, all these, all, he's taken all these teams to playoff, I mean, to regular season success, but once the playoffs come, his he doesn't he doesn't make any changes he doesn't do anything so his team loses again the stat of all stats Mike D'Antoni has not been to the NBA Finals his entire career yet he has three count them three MVPs Steve Nash twice James Harden once I don't think James Harden will win this year but if he does win that's four MVPs. Yet, he has never been to the finals. I'm not for calling somebody a fire. That's that's not what I do. But I do know this. If you've had all that talent and you fire all his coaches and then you're talking about you're talking about everybody uh Everybody's up for trade? No, it, it should be Mike D'Antoni should be gone. That's that's just me. That's that's how I feel. Call it what you want, but that's it's it, to me. It's it's kind of clear who who needs to go. It's kind of clear. And will they do that? Daryl Morey seems like a progressive. Uh, first of all, Daryl Morey likes Mike D'Antoni, so that could be one thing. But he seems like a progressive. GM, so we'll see how it goes. Not to mention his owner was pissed, and there was a lot of reports saying they didn't take uh they didn't take losing to a KD less Golden State in Game Six at home too well. So we'll see. I, I can say this: I do not think the Houston Rockets team that we saw in Game Six will be the same Houston Rockets team we see. I'm going to say by trade deadline. I don't know which moves they can really make in the regular season. 
but or in the off season. But I think by trade deadline, that will not be the team. You know what? No, I'm gonna stand on my I'm gonna stand on my prediction. That is not the same team we'll see the start of the NBA NBA season in 2019-2020. That will not be the same team. What changes will be made? I don't know, but that won't be the same team. So, um, is there anything else I want to talk about before I get to the unpopular topic of the week? Anthony Joshua, um, getting destroyed. <laughs> Game one and two. Steph Curry right now is the is leading candidate for MVP of the finals. For all the people that's saying that um he chokes in the finals or he chokes in the playoffs. I mean the man averages twenty three points in an NBA finals career. So that, that narrative is kinda ugh. Um Yeah man, let's get to the popular topic of the week. Welcome to the Unpopular Opinions. Unpopular Opinions. Have unpopular opinions. Unpopular Opinions. Okay, so what's an unpopular opinion? Unpopular Opinions. To utter such blasphemy. He's got the nerve, the audacity, the unmitigated goal to echo such blasphemous nonsense. Just blasphemy. One, all right, here we go. One reason that we love the NBA so much is that it's revolutionary. Is that it's always evolving. It's always changing. When you look at the NBA 10 years ago, it looks absolutely nothing like it is today. When we look at the NBA six years ago, it looks like nothing that it, it, it looked absolutely nothing than it did today. If you remember, it, it's just... Remember 10 years ago how important centers were or how important forwards were? Which are still important, but how important forwards were and how important if you didn't have, if you needed a, a cornerstone center. Hell, look at Dwight Howard, Andrew Bynum at the time. Everybody remembers Andrew Bynum. How Dwight Howard led the Orlando Magic to the finals. Andrew Bynum, people were debating if Andrew Bynum, which I don't know why, it was on the same level as Dwight Howard. Today, I don't know where Andrew Bynum is. Dwight Howard is on the Wizards. <laughs> sort of. All I'm saying is that when you look at the NBA today, it is nothing like, it, it's always changing. Rules are always being made. You know, the the game's changing. And I want to sit back. And I want to think, why is the reason that the NBA is how it is today? And I pinpointed six games since 2008 that is a direct, has a direct correlation to how the game is played today. Let's first go back. And we'll talk about those six games. Let's first go back to May 18th, 2008, when Boston beat the Cavs in the conference finals and semifinals, conference semifinals in game six. That was the last game LeBron James played for the Cavaliers before he went on to Miami. 
LeBron James had 45 points. Before that, before that season, it was, it was, you could, many people debated if you could only have one superstar on a team. You saw LeBron James was always leading the Cavaliers to the playoffs. Kobe, the years without Shaq, um, Dirk Nowinski. You always saw, hell, Steve Nash. You always, it was, all you needed was a superstar and a lot of solid players. It might not win you a championship, but that will, that will get you over the hump at least. Not only did 2008 with Boston's big three really show you that, okay, this, something's changing. But with LeBron James leaving to go to Miami that offseason after they lost in the semifinals, like, okay. A lot of people say that Miami started the big three. No, it was the Celtics. KG was pretty much, if not at his prime, one step outside of his prime or one toenail outside of his prime. Ray Allen was still great. Paul Pierce was in his prime. And they they won the championship that year. But then my Boston, I mean, LeBron went to Miami. And that, and that really showed that for LeBron had 45 points that last game. And of course we know that iconic scene LeBron James walking in the tunnel taking off his jersey but that that really symbolized okay I can't do this anymore and, and it's not just LeBron it was you can't do it with one star or one star in a role in role players look at look at the teams today with only one star Anthony Davis you see how that got him hell he's he's about to be on a different team look at the Lakers with LeBron James again you, you need more than one star and that that's that game, May eighteenth, two thousand eight, really showed that LeBron James, if LeBron, if the great LeBron James needs help, and LeBron James was the best player at that time, if he needs help, then hmm, there's no telling, no telling what the league is in for. And then you go to the second game, June twelfth. I mean, I'm sorry, June second. 2012, when Miami beats OKC in Game 5. This did a lot of things. This really spearheaded a lot of things. Number one, it got LeBron James' first ring. It really solidified the big three. The big three, as we remember the year before the collapse against Dallas, they were the better team. They were the clear better team. LeBron James, D. Wade, and Chris Bosh against Dirk Nowinski, Jason Terry, and Jason Kidd. Miami was the clear best team. And they lost. They We all talk about LeBron James' collapse in the fourth quarters, which was true, and he owned up to. But 2012 really solidified, okay, this big three thing really works. They, they can win a championship with this big three thing. And that, as we talked about earlier, was the first finals of Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and 
James Harden, which is funny because that's the only that's the only NBA Finals Russell Westbrook's been to, but that's neither here nor there. We saw at that point. When when you're young, right? Especially in the NBA, you're expected to do great things. You're expected to be great as soon as you walk in the league. And when you're not, people start looking at you differently, right? James Harden, KD, and Russell Westbrook were great. They were great coming off the coming out the gate. Now they weren't as good as they are today, but they were great. The thing about that is that series they were young. There's a difference as we've seen between NBA playoffs, regular season, and NBA finals. Hell, we saw a whole bunch of reports even this year about Demarcus Cousins. Oh, NBA final speed, which is true. The NBA finals was different. It is different. And while I I remember back then, I thought, okay, OKC just beat the Spurs. They got to beat, and the Lakers, they got to beat Miami. You have a three-headed monster who, on paper, Russ, KD, and James Harden, to me, was better than LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Bosh at the time. That didn't, that was not the case. <laughs> And why I say this game was so big was because of how bad James Harden played and how bad Russell Westbrook played. How bad everybody on OKC outside of KD played. As we saw that all season, moves were made. That all season, you saw James Harden get traded to the Rockets. That the next regular season... Serge Ibaka was gone. And then the year after that, we know what happened with KD. I don't believe James James Harden left over three. They they were not trying to pay him $3,000. Not a year. $3,000, period. They lost James Harden off of $3,000. I don't think that decision would have been hard to keep James Harden if he would have played better in the NBA Finals. When you when you come off the bench, you're you're seen as a bench player. J- Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams, as great as they are, they're still bench players. And when, as a bench player, you have moments where you need to step up and you don't, they don't look at, uh, he's, you know, he's still great. No, they still look, no, that's why he's off the bench. Before, James Harden wasn't the James Harden we see today when he was for OK, when he was playing on OKC. And I think if he would have played a lot better, because game five, he was horrible too. In fact, the whole team was over. They lost by like 20-something. If he would have played better in that series, I think they would have kept him. They had to, they were either going to pay him or pay Serge Ibaka. To me, that wouldn't have been a question if he would have played better. As we see, he didn't. He was gone. And that is what led to the next game. February 27, 2016, when Golden State and OKC played and Steph Curry had the Steph Curry game. 
I believe he dropped 46 that game. We all know they were in OKC. Curry damn near hit the half-court shot in overtime to win the game. At that point, Serge Ibaka, at that point, there were Kevin Durant was on the last year of his contract. There are reports of tension between Kevin Durant and the organization. Not too much Russell Westbrook, but it was because of Russell Westbrook. There were reports saying that you know he was coddling Russell, or the the organization was coddling Russell Westbrook too much. So I think going into that game, which was as you, early in the season, I think he already knew he was leaving. He wanted to go to an organization, and he wanted to go to a team where the ball was free moving, and they were still good. He still had a chance to play for a championship. What we saw, and I think what really changed, I think that game, February 27, 2016, is when Durant figured out, yeah, I want to go to, okay, I mean, I want to go to Gold State. I think because you saw Golden State at their peak up close and personal. That was a 73-9 and nine win season. That was Curry was in the midst of his first ever unanimous MVP season. That was Draymond Green being Draymond Green. Klay Thompson being Klay Thompson. And, and people forget that game. That game, Curry was injured, and he missed about a good 10 minutes of the game and still came back and dropped 46. I think that was the game that Katie decided, okay, yeah, I'm going here. A lot of people saying uh, think that it was during the, the OKC Golden State NBA Finals matchup but I don't think so I think it was that game that game really showed okay okay yeah that's that's this Golden State thing is for real this Golden State thing I could really flourish in this thing yes Curry has 46 but it wasn't like there's a difference, and 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 people, basketball fans and sports fans can attest to this. There's a difference between a Steph Curry forty-six point game and a Russell Westbrook forty-six point game. Steph Curry, you'll look up like, oh shit. There's and there's a difference between a Kevin Durant forty-six point game. Steph Curry, you'll look up and say, wow. Ten for seventeen, forty-six points. Okay. Wow. Wow. And he'll have memorable moments. He'll have, yeah, I remember, you know, that that big three he hit going into halftime. Then you look at KD's 46 points. You'll look up like, wait a second, KD has 46? Damn. And you'll look like that's the most effortless 46 you've ever seen. That's the most quietest 46. You're like, KD is 18 for 23? He's only missed five shots. Like that's the KD three, KD uh forty six pointers games. And then you look at Russell Westbrook like, damn, Russell Westbrook has forty six points, but he shot the ball forty times. <laughs> and you know I'm right. You know I'm right. And that is what that's 
that to me is what <laughs> is what separates or what separated Golden State from OKC. And that to me, like I said, is when Kevin Durant figured, yeah, I might want to play for this team. He knew he wanted to play for this team in this next game, which is May 28th, 2016. We all know that's the clay game. Game six is game six when they uh they won 108 to 101. Clay had a playoff record in threes. I think it was 11 at the time or 13. He dropped 41 points. OKC was up by as much as 15 points and had a 3-1 lead and lost. Now, yes, a lot of people blame Russell Westbrook. He did have a terrible game, but Clay, KD from game four to game seven well, didn't really play his best. Maybe game six he played? No. He, he played terrible from game five, six, and seven. The whole team did, but... I think that was the icing on the cake because they lost to a Golden State team and Klay Thompson was the, was the man. And while Curry did have, I think, like 30, 36, 10, and 9 that game, they were deferring to Klay Thompson, rightfully so. Klay Thompson was hot. Klay Thompson was Klay Thompson hot. And... You really saw, oh, okay. That's what really, hmm. Yeah, I'm playing for them. That is when I was like, yeah, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. When once once they won that game, once they won game six, I knew they were going to, Golden State was going to win game seven. And you saw the ramifications of that. KD leaves, goes to Golden State. Russell Westbrook stays, signs like a five-year, $100 billion contract, making him one of the highest-paid players in the league. That's what you saw. And imagine if Golden State loses. First, 73-win team that didn't even make it to the finals. I think that year, OKC would have won the NBA championship. Because OKC was playing at a level that honestly was better than Golden State at the time. They just fell short. We would have looked at Russ differently. He would have been a champion. We would have looked at KD a little differently. Because, you know, people like Stephen A. Smith, that was the weakest move going to Golden State of a superstar ever. Everyone calls you know a snake and all that, even though they probably would have done the same thing. But I'm not, you know. We would have looked at we would looked at them differently. We would looked at Curry differently. We would looked at Draymond Green differently. We would looked at Clay. Differently. We would looked at Golden State as an organization differently. Yes, they lost a three one lead in the finals, but that's different from losing in the finals to losing in the conference finals. Hell, we wouldn't. The Rockets wouldn't. This year's Rockets wouldn't be all in a kerfuffle <laughs> if they would have. If they would have lost in the finals 4-2, four, four because that's the finals. They lost in the conference finals to a Katie-less Golden State. So, narratives would have been different. 
Again, I don't think KD would have left. Why would you leave? You just won the NBA Finals. I think Golden State would have been searching for answers. Okay, we didn't even make it to the. I don't. I, somebody people would have been gone. So, it's it's little things like that, which then that leads us to our next game, which is May twenty fourth, two thousand eighteen, Golden State against Houston. CP 3s injury. Now Houston did win that game. 89 to 84, but Chris Paul pulls his hamstring. Houston was up 3 2 at the time with home court advantage. And I think that is when Houston, you you missing 24, 25 straight threes in game seven. Without Chris Paul. I think that not only did a lot for Golden State in their championship pedigree, but I think that that is what killed Houston's championship window. Imagine if they would have won. I, we would have looked at Golden State differently, like I said, but we would have looked at Houston differently. We would have looked at James Harden differently. We would have looked at Chris Paul differently. We would have looked at Mike D'Antoni differently. They're sitting here today searching for answers. Imagine if they would have went. They definitely, to me, would have won the NBA Finals last year going against that uh, Cleveland Cavaliers team. Imagine if three of those 0 for 26 threes would have went down. They would have won. I think they lost the game by like seven. They would have won the game. Imagine if James Hart didn't have like eight or nine turnovers that last game. Imagine if Steph Curry and Katie and Clay didn't go off games six and seven. It's all about. I don't think. I think Katie would have left that. Maybe not left. But I think that, for one, we wouldn't hear about all this Houston Rockets panicking mode fiasco stuff that we're hearing now. Because I mean, you're you're champion. We will James Harden, that blemish on his legacy would definitely not be there because he'd be a champion. Not to mention, another person, another team that we look at, is is OKC. Think about it. Look how we look at OKC today. OKC has Serge Ibaka. OKC had Kevin Durant. OKC had. Victor Oladipo, OKC had James Harden, and now look where they all at. Serge Ibaka is playing in the while he's not the best player, he's playing in the finals. James Harden is one of the best offensive players we've ever seen. KD is a two-time MVP or Finals MVP, one-time regular season MVP, and the best player in the world when healthy. And Victor Oladipo went from being a solid player in Orlando to being a so-so player in OKC, now being an all-star and the best player for Indiana. It's There's a projection and a perception that players get better once they leave OKC. 
And Quaz kept players get better. It's not really just OKC. Players get better once they leave Russell Westbrook. And that conversation would have amplified and would be bigger and would be louder if James Harden would have won and then would have won the finals or won, won the NBA finals. Having to ha- they had to get over the hump, which they couldn't do. Yes, again, Chris Paul got injured, and that's something that is still on his legacy and still on his resume that he keeps getting injured in big moments. But imagine if he didn't get injured. We talk. Chris Paul has never been to the final. As we, how much we talk about Mike D'Antoni? Chris Paul has never been to the finals. Last year was the first year Chris Paul went to the NBA Conference Finals. A lot of narratives would have been different if they would not have gotten injured. And it's not just Golden State and Houston. We would have definitely been looking at OKC as well. And you're probably wondering, what's the sixth game? The sixth game... Ah! (laughs) The sixth game, as of, to recap before, May 18th, the games that we talked about, the first five games was May 18th, 2018, when Boston beat the Cavaliers in the conference finals in game six. Uh, June 2nd, 2012, when Miami beat OKC in game five of the NBA finals. February 27th, 2016, where Golden State beat OKC. And that was a Steph Curry game. I think he dropped 46 and the game winner in overtime. May 28th, 2016, Golden State versus OKC. That was the Clay Thompson game when he hit uh, NBA NBA playoff record in threes. May 24th, 2018, when Golden State versus Houston. And, and another thing before I go to the sixth game. A lot of teams... Are doing this philosophy is let's just wait out Golden State. A lot of people think Kevin Durant is leaving. A lot of people this year. A lot of people think once Kevin Durant goes, it's an equal playing field. Most of the games that we just said, starting back to 2012, the league would have been different. All the if these games would not have happened. Let's say. If you go back, let's say Boston does not beat Cleveland. Cleveland goes on to the NBA Finals. They could lose the NBA Finals, but say Boston, they they go to the Conference Finals. LeBron James does what LeBron James does and leads them to the Finals. Do you think LeBron James then is going to Miami? Remember, there's reports that LeBron James and D-Wade could have went to the Bulls with D-Rose. But D-Rose was like, yeah, I'm not. I, I don't do that recruiting. And Miami had enough money to get three people, so they got Chris Bosch. Imagine if OKC beat Miami in the in the NBA Finals. That would have been two straight finals that LeBron James does not win. Then on top of that, even if they even if they still lost, but James Harden and Russell Westbrook played great. Durant played great. I think he averaged like thirty that series. 
But James Harden and Russell Westbrook play great. You think that it's easy for them to not pay James Harden and for them then to trade him? I don't think he would have been traded, which means there wouldn't have been no Rockets team this year or, or these last few years. Do you think that if Steph, imagine if, imagine if they would have lost that game. Uh, February 27, 2016, Golden State and OKC. Imagine they would have lost that game. Then it wouldn't have been 73 and 9. It would have been 72 and 10. So the the historic parameters wouldn't have been the same. Imagine if Steph had a bad game or Golden State had a bad game. And Kevin Durant's looking like, this team is regular just like everybody else. Why would I want to go here? Imagine imagine if Klay Thompson doesn't have the game of his life in game six, May 28th, 2016. And Golden State ultimately loses to OKC. OKC goes and wins the finals. How are we looking at Russell Westbrook right now as an NBA champion? How are we looking at Kevin Durant right now as an NBA champion for OKC? Imagine Chris Paul doesn't get injured. May 2nd last year. These would have changed the dynamics of the NBA. And the last game was November 6, 2018. And that was Kentucky versus Duke. And that is when Zion Williamson put the world on notice. We knew how we knew Zion Williamson from his hoop mixtapes. And I've always said, do not trust hoop mixtapes unless it is five minutes of straight dunking, which it was. That was Zion Williamson's hoop mixtapes. Dunking, him blocking little white kids, shot to hell and back, and dunking. And I was like, yo, is this all? And, I, and a lot of people, a lot of scouts, and you know a lot of scouts thought the same thing I did. Because going into the college season, he wasn't projected number one. Projection number one was R.J. Barrett. He wasn't even projected number two. Projected number two was Nasir Little. He was projected number three. So going in, a lot of people like myself had questions. Is, is this all he does is dunk? Hell, remember Seventh Woods? I'm a North Carolina fan, so I can be real with it. Remember Seventh Woods had one of the best hoop mixtapes ever? It wasn't better than John Walls and uh, D. Roses, but he still had one of the best hoop mixtapes ever. Where is Seventh Woods today? So teams were skeptical, like, okay, we need to see more from Zion Williamson. What is this man as good as these hoop mixtapes? Because we don't know. Going into the Kentucky game, which I believe was the first game, Kentucky was ranked number one. They had the number one ranked recruiting class. And Duke, while they had R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, they were still a question mark because we didn't know. And Trey Jones, they didn't know what the hell they were getting. Zion destroyed them. (laughs) Zion destroyed them. I think he had like maybe 25, 26 points, but he had a couple of crazy breakaway dunks. I remember one. 360 Duncan. I remember one where he, you know, cocks it all the way back. And they destroyed the number one team. They made the number one team, Kentucky, look like trash. They made them look like, fuck, they made them look like uh, Warford or something. 
And that's when we really put on notice, wow, this Zion thing is for real. It's not like he did this against New Mexico State. It's not like he did this against NC State, which they lost to, by the way, in the regular season. It's not like they did this against Penn State. They did this against Kentucky, the mighty Kentucky. And that's when we, the league was like, okay, this Zion kid's for real. Let me start tanking. <laughs> now, that could be the, now, what we saw in the draft, that could be the end of tanking, but yeah. Let's, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's tank for this kid. This is Zion Williamson could be a once in a generational player. They weren't really saying that in high school, like they were saying against LeBron. They were saying, oh, this kid is very talented. After that first game, he was a once-in-a-generational kid. Talent. And that, that that really, a lot of people, now now you see teams like, well, New Orleans has a number one draft pick, but you see teams like Cleveland and the Knicks and Memphis all tanking for Zion. And... Now, now, that game really showed Zion is the man. See, these games, of course, there's a lot of other small moments to me that really shaped how the NBA is viewed today. We can talk about Curry's 54 points back in, I think it was 2012, against uh, the Knicks. We can talk about Derrick Rose blowing out his knee against the Sixers. We can talk about... Dwight Howard leading the leading the the Magic to the finals as when all the be, the next best play was Jameer Nelson Hito Turkaloo. We can talk about Kobe's eight what sixty four point game sixty one point game his final game. There's a lot of moments that really shaped how we view the NBA, how we view some players. But the games that I just said to me are the games. That really shaped how we viewed the NBA today. You realize Curry is in a cup. Curry is in one, two, three, three of these games. And and I've already been on record as saying Curry is one of, if not the most revolutionary player to ever play the game. As we see today. I'm not going to say the most revolutionary, but he is one of the most revolutionary players that we've ever seen. See LeBron James in there. He's in there one, twice. KD's in there a couple times. I was thinking of one game that just missed the cut was Golden State against the Spurs with Kawhi Leonard injuring, you know, injuring, uh, you know, Zaza Pachulia game pretty much. Because that, to me, disbanded the mighty Spurs. Yes, the Spurs are still great. They still made the playoffs, but the Spurs, without Kawhi, Nobody thought they had a chance to advance far, except maybe Skip Bayless. With DeMar DeRozan and and LaMarcus Aldridge, that's not Kawhi Leonard. (laughs) Those two combined is not Kawhi Leonard. But that that game just didn't make the cut. So, without, uh, to wrap this up, let's get to the game of the week. Game blouses. I call game. I expect the game. It's game time. You play no games. Play games on me. 
It's the game of the week. So my game of the week actually is Thursday. As you're probably listening to this right now, the Bruins are playing the Blues. Game four on the Stanley Cup Finals. Right now, as we're shooting, as we're, as I'm recording this Monday morning, the Blues are down or trailing the series to Boston 2-1. I believe, I don't know how, again, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting this in the morning. I think by the time you listen to this, the game will already be an hour in. I think the Blues lose tonight. I think Boston takes a commanding 3-1 lead. Which means game five, which is Thursday, could be the deciding game. We talk about Golden State. We talk about the Patriots. We talk about dynasties, right? What the Bruins have done, and let's say the last 15 years, is dynasty worthy the Bruins I believe have won maybe four or five in the last 15 years as a dynasty and I think come Thursday game five they will be hoisting the Stanley Cup trophy I'm not losing faith in the in the blues. And I'm not it's not a disrespect to the blues. It is all respect to the Bruins. So my game five is or my game of the week is game five of the Stanley Cup Finals. Stanley Cup Finals. Which is Thursday. And that is where I think the Bruins will finish off the St. Louis. Well, yeah, St. Louis Blues. And there you have it. I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you guys. I hope that you like the new set. I hope you like what I've done to the place. I hope you like seeing my beautiful face. Again, this is Jalen. This is the Unpopular Podcast with your boy Jalen. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. Um, again, please hit that subscribe button wherever the hell it is on the screen. And for bigger and better things man i'm excited for the journey that this is this is taking until next time much love for the city man feeling like i got the cheat codes of life jury looking like it got free throw and ice Debating with the reaper not to refold my life Cause in my 23 years, I done lived a couple lives Like why? Cause I stunt, bags a tree, like it's fall The girls I was out of my league, trying to play with my boss I pay bills, I work hard, and when my mama cried a river They never gave us a bridge, they gave us a bridge car Nigga, riding low, puffing on loud I came way too far to fuck it up now Text from my mom said me and your grandma proud I'm way too deep in the game to go sit back in the crowd Teacher told me get a job, save up for 401k Man, I'd rather be young and shit counting 401k I'd rather die with a smile instead I'm just multiplying my money and dividing the legs B.I. But I'm just waiting for
I'm never dividing the bread. Bitch, I bet I get the debit if I don't get the cred. Not sir. Throwing west side up like Paca where they pop your block up a block up, big pop a block off. You holy, the wally, holy, Kenobi, Chewbacca. I'm gonna see Yaga Chanel, Hermes, but I bet you that you won't find it. Rockin' Louis and MCM, guess I'm close minded. Obama sweet, you won't blow up in the Joe Biden. I'm in your city just chillin' where all your hoes hiding. 20k for the fit because it's 24 carats. And I can't lie, the price will probably go up when I wear it. I'm just D-Town reppin' and making all these niggas who second-guessed it regret it. Regret it like half the hoes I smashed in the sheets. At least I realize now how much I love Ashley Marie. And when it's all said and done, I'll probably give her my knee. Cause she put up with too many games not to have her a ring. Man, she almost cried when she seen me on TV, on BET, just making it seem easy. Standing next to Common Sense and Yeezy. And the whole world seen Bitch, I know you seen Wake up to a wet dream. Every day's a Friday and every night's a sex scene. Every week is fashion week and every day I'm pressed clean. Detroit's angel. I even got red wings. I'm headed to the ball. Me and three prom queens. My life's prom night and guess who the prom king? They having the kiss and fight and I'm dying king. Everybody know I'm coming soon like LeBron's ring. Tell me that wasn't verse of the year. Man, that shit deserves a hearse and a tear. Swear to God, I'm overlaid. All my girls get overfucked. All my deals be overpaid and all my joints get overstuffed. Finally famous bitch, they ain't a fucking thing that's over us. So take that check out and owe it up. Man, I turn the possible possible. And what these niggas could barely see in the optical. The same teacher who told me rappers what not to do. And said I'm throwing my life away if I drop out of school. Want me to come speak to the kids, the point I gotta prove. Is that I did everything that they told me not to do. After I went down the road, they told me not to cruise. They ain't know that was my road to success. Now my picture on the wall hanging to help the kids follow through. My dream girl is every night. My dream car is optional. My old school look like a T-Rex. I should feed a fossil fuels. Man, I turn my enemies to molecules. Little hoes, without any preparation I see these expectations, man, they wanna see me dead But I gave them dedication And I'm yelling, fuck them all, with a hundred exclamations Cause I'ma be the man till my fucking expiration B.I.G., I do it This goes yeah. out to my motherfucking city oh, yeah. That's right <laughs> West side to be exact Woo. Right over there on Northline, man, and that's who playing yeah. flat I grew up with my mom and my auntie Santa Barbara or my grandma house. Over there fucking with Tone or Dexter. Nigga, we ain't have shit. Got a fucking Rolex on my pinky, nigga. My mom, I brought tears to my mom. My eyes the first time she came and saw my new crib. She ain't been to LA since she had me here. Detroit Free Press and was flipping out. Say, yeah, baby, I guess you made the right decision. <laughs> and to everybody who second guess, everybody's still hating. You can suck 10 dicks, 100 dicks. I don't give a fuck. No homo pause that. I do it. Shout out to Early Mac and Sad Ain't. Yeah. My bad, I was tearing up a little bit. Yeah.
ride to school listening to Kanye Pharrell. This for anybody who ever dreamed about some shit, I got you. Finally famous in this, getting money, money. Yeah, I fuck with that. <laughs>